Hey everyone, today we are learning Perik Yud Aleph in Yechezkel, chapter 11. And if you saw the sources Reb Joe sent over, today is also Yom HaShoah. I'll be, be honest, uh, Yom HaShoah is generally a pretty difficult day for me. Um, it's as if the frustration that I've pent up over the course of the year just boils over. Uh, it's frustration at the loss uh, that my grandparents suffered, the parents, the brothers, sisters who were taken from them. Six million lives that were taken from us so unfairly. And I, there's no voice recording that can really reconcile this, but I can say I'm grateful to be learning chapter 11 with you all today. It opens with Yechezkel being taken to the eastern gate of the Beit HaMikdash, um, where 25 of the nation's leaders are gathered, and they're rather uh, self-gratifying. They say that there's no need to build houses, presumably houses of refuge, um, this city is the pot, and we are the meat. And, and Rashi interprets this as saying that, you know, while the, the Babylonians are charging in the and, and invading the land, they, the leaders don't think they need to be concerned because they are the meat in the proverbial stew. And the meat is what gives the stew its flavor. It's what's essential, and it what it's what lasts the longest. Um, and and they don't need to be worried that they will um, be removed or exiled. And God responds through Yechezkel pretty grotesquely, saying that you see those corpses that are piled up over there. Um, they are in fact the meat for the pot. You will be taken out of it, as in the the. There's this word, uh, basar, that we should pay attention to because it'll keep resurfacing for us. It's me or referring to a person, it's the flesh. And we're being told that these corpses, those are the meat that will, that will remain in the city. Later in our chapter, Yechezkel is in the middle of his prophecy to these 25 um, leaders when Peltiau ben Benaya, one of these 25, just suddenly drops dead. And, and what does, uh, what does Yechezkel do? He, he drops his, uh, on the ground and he throws his face on the ground and he cries to Hashem, ah, Hashem, you are wiping out the, the remnant of Israel. And this immediately made me think of Korach, another conceited leader of Israel. He, he rebels against Moshe and Aaron. God threatens to destroy the nation until Moshe and Aaron fall on their faces, begging Hashem, uh, Oh God, source of the breath, of all flesh, of all basar, when one, one man sins, will you be wrathful with the whole community? So again, there's this word basar. But how, how, does, how does Hashem respond? He says, okay, Moshe and Aaron, separate yourselves from those who are sinful. And when the land suddenly divides into two, it'll only... Uh, swallow ultimately those who are in Korach's company. And so we're in a similar situation here during the times of Yechezkel. It's very clearly a time where the Jewish people are divided. They're the inhabitants of Yerushalayim, and they seem rather cocky about the fact that they've managed to remain there, while the people who are spread across the plains of Israel have truly just been ravaged. The, the Jerusalemites have, with some exaggerated pride, separated themselves from the rest of Israel. And Yechezkel asks, or rather tells Hashem, that he's wiping out the Jerusalemites, those who are the remnants of Israel. Hashem responds, 
בן אדם, אחיך, אחיך, או מורדל, I will save your brothers, your brothers, the men of your kindred, all of the house of Israel, those to whom the inhabitants of Yerushalayim are saying, keep far from the Lord, because the land has been given to us as a heritage, to us, the Jerusalemites. But God is saying to Yechezkel, don't worry, I will save the people. But it's not necessarily those who you think. Those people who appear distant, who the Jerusalemites have separated themselves from, those are the ones who I will bring back to the land. Korach, uh, Korach in this case, is the Jerusalemite. But in case there was any doubt, God tells Yechezkel, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. You, Ben Adam, earthly man, I will give you the Admat Israel, the earth of Israel. Upon their return, God says Israel will do away with the detestable things and the abominations in the land. And finally, if you recall over Pesach, how God had hardened Paro's heart, well, it appears our hearts too will have been hardened in exile. Because upon our return to, to Israel, God tells us, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove the heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh. Again, the word flesh, basar, returns. But here it's positive. The leaders of Yerushalayim thought they were the Basar, the essential part. And it turns out that those who will be returning from the land to the land, they are. They are the essential ones, given this heart of flesh, a soft heart. Levi Yitzchak Abreditchevi compares this moment of the exile's return to Israel to the initial spontaneous love between Yaakov and Rachel. But the beginning of the Pasuk shouldn't be looked over. We will be given lev echad, one heart. If we were divided between Korah's company and the rest of B'nai Israel, or between the 25 officers at the Eastern Gate and the rest of Israel, this group of exiles returning in redemption will be unified. I don't know if there's a theodicy for the Holocaust that's universally compelling and I'm not going to try to give one. But I know at least for my grandparents, a return to the land of Israel from all four corners of the world has had immense meaning. As the Midrash from, uh, from Kelev ben Dror taught a couple days ago, God is both the agent of the exile and its victim. And in the case of our redemption, he's the one waiting to give us his heart. <laughs>